Hello and welcome to Access Chat. I'm delighted that we're joined by two guests today, Matt Gibson, who's the Chief Production Officer, and Ramon Lapenta, who's the front-end tech lead for Cyberduck. And Cyberduck are a digital agency um, based out of the UK, but obviously you know, have people around the world. You know, we, we work remotely these days. So Matt and Ramon, welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about the agency and what you're doing. I see from your website, you've uh, you you know got ISO nine two four one. I always get the numbers the wrong way around. So there's a clear focus on human centered design. But tell us more. Well, thanks for having us. Uh, first of all, uh, yeah. So I'm Matt um, Cyberduck, uh, as you said, are a user centered design agency. Uh, we've got that ISO in human centered design nine two four one dash 210-9241, I think is the full uh, full title of it, <laughs> uh, catchy. Um, we're based, um, it's interesting, isn't it, because of the whole remote uh, first thing. So we're based in, in the UK, in, in London, but Ramon is in Colorado Springs, and we have people around the world working for Cyberduck. So um, we are, we're a remote first company. We focus on user-centered digital transformation. So basically creating accessible and inclusive services um, for clients right right across the spectrum from public sector for the likes of Sport England and Bank of England and people like that, right through to private sector. So um, organizations like Compare the Market, for example. Yeah, I'm Ramon. Um, I specialize in the implementation of uh, front-end uh, uh, websites and applications and all of that. And for the past few years, uh, focusing a lot more on accessibility. And I'm uh, happy to be here in this conversation. Uh, thank you for inviting us. Great. And, and um, obviously, public sector, we, we, we know public sector has a duty to do this stuff. And, and, and therefore, you would hope that the public sector clients are asking you, begging you to help them get it right. Um, but how how did you come to be working in the space, and you know how have you seen the market change over over time? Because yes, you said you work with public sector, but there's also private sector. I, I think that that I've experienced a, a significant shift in in enthusiasm or interest in accessibility over the last few years. But I'd be interested to see what, from an agency point of view, whether you're seeing the same things. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to say that public sector should want to do it. I think everybody should want to do it. Um, but um, yeah, I definitely think there's been um, a shift, like you said, in the last five, six years, probably maybe more uh, since GDS and, and now CDDO have, have come about. I think that's really pushed things along in the public sector, the creating of the, the service standard. Uh, and then having assessments around that service standard, I think that keeps people in check and makes that people, it, it compels people to actually do things in the right way. Uh, it, you know, the service standard is really about um, processes um, and it makes people follow those processes uh, quite rigorously. So that's, I think, really positive. Um, I think in the private sector, it, it's lagging behind a little bit. It's, it's quite interesting because I, I think obviously our background as an agency, um, you know, 20 years ago, I was making flash sites. So, you know, they weren't very accessible, those, those sites, but we would always make an accessible version of it. What's probably interesting is actually that accessible version, the HTML version back then with CSS2, whatever it was at the time, was actually probably 
better and um, probably more usable than the flash one. Um, and so yeah. I think that's kind of the direction that that we took as an agency. I think one of the things that really did push it along for us as an agency was um, the advent of responsive design and really getting into accessibility from that and thinking about creating services that can be used by anyone, anywhere, on any device, um, regardless of who you are, what, what your needs are, um, really creating services that are inclusive. So I think that was probably one of the, I don't know, uh, light bulb moments for Cyberduck, you know, the, the whole responsive design movement. Yeah. And um, I agree with you. Uh, I mean, we we have seen some people deliver accessible Flash websites. And in fact, we, we amongst our community, we have a, a couple of fans of Flash, even though it is a fully deprecated technology now. Um, I, I'm taking the, the, the mic a little bit, but 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 essentially, the the simpler the underpinnings, the closer we can get to, to using the HTML as the basis for uh, the stuff that we build. The usually the more robust it it can be, and the you know easier to be standards compliant. But that doesn't mean that. HTML is the, the be all and end all because there is still you know the element of design. So how do you how do you marry up the the design concepts with the the need to be technically compliant? Because obviously it's not all about the the technical side of things. You've got the 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 sort of visual design, the the sort of interaction design, and the sort of the usability and the the sort of flow processes to take into account too. Take this one. Um, yeah, I think for the past uh, two, three years, uh, uh, probably, uh, I think we have been focusing a lot more and being um, involved a lot more. I mean, the production part of the implementation uh, team at Cyberdog, we are getting more involved in the design process as well. So from the very start, uh, when we see the requirements of any uh, project, we try to get together and, and have calls uh, with the design team to see how are we going to approach the design of any project from the start. And that way, we ensure that the designs are not only uh, meeting the, the client requirement, but they're also being created with accessibility in mind from the very start. And that has helped us massively to not only achieve accessibility at the end of the project, but also to get designers to think with uh, accessibility in mind and design with uh, with that mindset from the start. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. It's, I, I think one of the things that we really pushed, I think, in the last uh, few years is making sure doing user research and involving people right across the spectrum of disabilities in, in that research throughout. So from making sure that um, access needs are part of personas that are being created, part of those user journeys, um, right through to as you're you know creating prototypes or designing things that actually you're doing testing with people, again, with a range of disabilities. Um, and working with partners, so uh, we work with um, RNIB quite a lot, uh, making sure that um, 
you know, we're, we're doing the research with the right people and that we're actually involving the people that are going to be using the service in, in, in that research uh, right through that process and doing things, as Ramon said, doing like audits on the designs that we create. Um, because it's easier and a lot cheaper to fix those things at the design stage than it is to fix them uh, when, when you're building it. Matt, I know before we came on air, you talked about the, um, you know, the founder of CyberDuck had really sort of stepped away and created CyberDuck because you really wanted to be more human-centered focused. And I'm curious about a few things. Um, you know, when did CyberDuck start thinking about accessibility, especially when you were sort of created with human design you know, in mind, um, was it because compliance caught your attention, which is generally how people move into the market. So I'm curious about that. But at the same time, what caught my attention about CyberDuck is that not only are you doing it, which I certainly appreciate as part of the community, but you're actually um, leading conversations and encouraging others to join these conversations. And I know you just recently had an event um, that was a global event um, that I was really proud to speak at. Mike Gifford was there from Canada, which we've had on the show before. Um, but why why did y'all start? And why do you think it's so important to show leadership? Obviously, you want to be compliant, but I thought it was an interesting point also that Neil made. It's so one thing about compliance, but how do you do build it in a way that is still innovative, creative, and beautiful, but you know, really built for human beings to use it? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Danny, uh, and he's quite open about this. Danny, our CEO and founder, um, he he worked in Adlan before CyberDuck, sort of right through the the dot com boom and and bust. Uh, and um, I think. You know, at, the, at that time, Danny wasn't very happy with how things were often done in that sector. I'm, I'm sure things have moved on uh, quite a bit since then. But at the time, Danny wanted to create an agency that was more human-centered, user-centered, and and have all of these principles principles that have sort of been enshrined within, uh, you know, user experience design, um, enshrine all of those in in how we work uh, and create an agency that works in the right way and works for users rather than against them. So. Um, so that's kind of been part of our ethos and part of our value since since we were founded. In terms of accessibility, it's an interesting one because I would say it's been a journey. We, we you know, right back then, before mobile was really a, th a thing, you know, this I'm talking, you know, over a decade ago now, sort of, you know, way before yeah. the iPhone, uh, we, we were creating WAP versions of websites and things like that. You know, it, it's been, I think, part of who we are creating compliant standards based code and things like that from day one. I think where we probably started getting more into accessibility was probably around 2011, 2012, when responsive design came about. And then I think we then started actually taking it a, a bit more seriously, really understanding uh, the WCAG um, standards. And and I know there's a lot of them. It's a bit, it sometimes feels a bit like a Monty Python's, uh, people's Judea's front, you know, uh, with the amount of standards there are out there right now. But um, it, I think that was probably around the time where we started taking it a lot more serious, getting more involved in the community. And then over the, it's just been a journey. The more you do it, the more you want to learn and the more you want to get better at it. And the more you test with users, the more you empathize and you want to do things that are, are, are good for them um so um so yeah but i love that I, I love mad you mentioned that date 2011 because that's when i started a cyber doc yeah it will change when ramon joined 
I think for me, uh, there, there's, uh, I've always been interested in like uh, web standards and, and all of that uh, from before working at Cyberhook. But also it's uh, a matter that's got uh, pretty personal to me. Um, my husband has always been um, involved with uh, uh, working with people with disabilities in the you know the education system and in other uh, other places. So I, I've been really close to to that, and uh, I've seen the effects of not doing uh, accessible work uh, firsthand. And that's I think that's one of the reasons it's been so important to me. Yeah, I, I think that's similar for me as well, Ramon. I, you know, I when growing up when I was uh, when I was a kid, my my nan um, is a wheelchair user. Was he a wheelchair user? She's passed away now. But um, seeing, you know, the prejudice and just general, I guess, ableism that she faced a lot in her life, I think has, has probably shaped my outlook on personally. Um, but obviously, that brought that into the business. That it it's. It's about fairness and making sure that everybody has equal access to things. Right. And also, I love that Ramon, you know, mentioned, you know, his husband, because we have to look at all these issues from the intersections as well, because, uh, I mean, there's so much to do. And I, I just think it's really important that it be built you know, in the, um, you know, in the DNA of your projects. Uh, Ramon, you mentioned standards. I mean, we all talked about standards a little bit, but um, there are some people that just think that um, there's only a couple, but um, that standards are just stupid and we don't need them and that, you know, um, but the reality is it's see, why do y'all think, or do you think that we do need standards? You know, I mean, as you mentioned, Matt, it's, very complicated. And I know people get real intimidated when they're going to become accessibility experts for a company. And then they go out to WCAG, you know, and it's like, uh, uh, oh, oh, it's really easy. All you have to do, you know, and it is easy. It's the sheer volume that makes it starts making it difficult. And I'll just make one more comment. I remember I've been in this field a long time, but whenever I first started in 2001 and we had updated our, our 508 law, we were saying, some experts were saying, just don't ever use PDF again. Don't ever use Flash. And I remember um, Macromedia actually got a little aggravated with me once saying, did you say, are you telling people they can't use Flash? And I said, no, I'm saying if you use Flash, it has to be accessible. And at the beginning, we weren't sure if we could make Flash accessible, but then we figured it out. We adapted as we do as humans. But I was just you know, curious what y'all think about the standards, only because sometimes there are some voices that say the standards just slow us down and take away our innovation and creativity. And so I was just wondering, you know, what y'all thought about that perspective of the conversation. I, th I um, think standards are really helpful. <laughs> really. Um, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's that's the way I feel. The standards give you a platform in, in which you can uh not only validate what you're building, but have it testable and like in, ensure the quality is a lot easier by following standards. I I think I understand the reasoning behind not doing that, but I think for, for us at CyberDoc in general, uh, if I can speak for, for everybody. Um, we we see that as a challenge, and we like to to be creative and do different things 
with the standards in place. And it is possible. If, mm. if once you get used to, to thinking that way, it just becomes second nature. So I think that the standards are always help us to, you know, keep in line with the quality of what we're doing. <laughs> Ooh, well said, well said. Uh, so so I, I, I agree. I, I But I can also see the tension and the friction with standards. So having spent some time working on the W3C working groups, it's the language that is used is sometimes impenetrable, right? So, so I, 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 I often said that it was ironic that as a member of the Cognitive Accessibility Task Force, that the accessibility guidelines are cognitively inaccessible. <laughs> because it's the way that they're presented that's the issue, not the fact that they exist. So, so standards are tremendously important because essentially, the aside from the sort of the look and feel accessibility, the technical accessibility elements is about interoperability. So if you don't do it right, the technologies just won't work together. And so you're you're cutting people off by um, by not allowing the tech to work together, and 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 that's where standards are super important. But there is a, a real problem in the way that they're presented and the way that um, it can be difficult for people to understand the requirements of the standards and interpret them and 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 put them into. Uh, into uh, you know make them real in their products and i think that the there is obviously a recognition of this in terms of um people trying to you know put forward examples there are code snippets you've got w3 schools you've got lots of people teaching stuff um at the same time you know there there are you know people going out there sort of creating the mystique and the problem with the mystique around standards is that it opens up the market for products that are damaging, that enable companies that sell overlays, that that don't actually fix the code, that don't actually solve the issue, that don't result in standards compliance, being sold as the, this will fix everything for you solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that then creates a dangerous situation, particularly in the, in the US where mm-hmm. uh, there is a culture of litigation, mm-hmm. that yep. organisations that, for the best will in the world, want to do the right thing and make their products and services accessible, think, we can just pay and this thing will do it all for us. Right. Uh, and, and they're opening themselves up to being sued. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that the whilst the companies that are making those products need to be you know held to account and and to be able to be really clear about what their products can and can't do because there is still a place for short-term fixes because as you said retrofitting accessibility is time-consuming and expensive so you might want to use an overlay until you fix the code, but go and fix the code. But there's also an onus on the people that are delivering standards to make them comprehensible uh, and digestible and and allow people to understand what it is they need to do in in order to do this stuff so that it doesn't become so scary that you just go and pay for an overlay. I'm not going to name the the particular one that has the (laughs) ire of... 
of everyone in the accessibility world, but let's let's say they um, were appearing as promoted ads in my Twitter timeline because um, they've got they plenty got of money. Capital is right, spending a lot. Million. And Ramon, I know you want to comment on this. Uh, yeah, I think the the way I see it, the most damaging part of that whole you know topic is having the the idea of you don't have to do the work normalized yes i think that is is very damaging for everybody involved in the industry i agree and also i the investors that invested in this company that we're not naming they they talked to me and I said, what are y'all doing? Why are you investing money in something that is hurting the community of people with disabilities? And now they're going to create their own web, you know, their own, you know, it's, and, and I don't care. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm happy to be, uh, you know, I have, I appreciate everybody coming in and supporting our community, but that's one reason why we're building billion strong because, the community needs to come out and say, when you do like an index, um, but you but a company can get 100% on that index and they don't even have to be accessible or hire people with disabilities, um, that hurts the community of people with disabilities. We've got a problem with that. If you are an overlay that just charges $50 you know, a month and all these brands think that they're done by just checking these boxes, but it actually is not accessible to people using screen readers and other assistive technology, you are hurting our community. So the reality is um, the community is going to find a very big global voice and talk about this. And that's one reason at Access Chat why we have been very deliberate about who we have on the show. I mean, for example, we had a group on the show, uh, Text Help, a few months, weeks ago, and um, they do not claim that they are overlay tools or that they're going to make you fully accessible, but they're saying, like Neil said, you can put you know, our product on your website as you work to make it fully accessible and do all the different things you got to do, which CyberDuck does. You follow the standards, you have to code, There, you have to test with users that have... The things that work, and sorry that they're, they're a process and they can be a pain in the butt, but that's how you assure humans can use it. And so I'm really upset, as are so many people, about what is happening in the United States with that one company that comes from another country, but, you know, only because how could you not care about our community? I don't even understand. Why are you... Anyway, I understand the love of the, the money. So... Um, Anyway, it's it's really sickening to me what's happening and that our National Federation of the Blind will come out and say, if you are using this tool, we are coming after you. So now they're going to come after the customers of this tool. And this tool is hurting other groups that are really trying to do the right thing. Anyway, OK, I'm going to obviously you can see I'm upset about this, so I'm going to shut up. But it's just. I don't understand why we all can't work together and, and celebrate each other. I mean, once again, let's celebrate CyberDuck wanting to make sure that what you create and build is accessible to everyone, all yeah. of the communities. Why would you want to build anything that wasn't accessible to all customers? Why? I mean, you know, that's not good design. So anyway. I'll, uh, I'll, show, you, I'll show you your feelings about that overlay. I think it's really dangerous Yeah, what they're doing. Part, partly... Because of what Ramon said, that it, it 
it teaches laziness. It teaches people not to bother to do the hard work to learn um, and to understand actually how to make accessible products. But it also teaches things that, like they there we've we've looked into that specific one that you're talking about, and things that it does aren't accessible. And so, like you said, it's a massive missed opportunity on their part, not involving the community in the development of their product. Um, I think Neil's right, what you were saying before about the, the fact that, that um, there is a, a learning curve and it can, in certain parts of the WCAG, it can be quite a steep learning curve as well. Um, and the I think um, that's definitely something that I think probably needs to be addressed in the future, um, making it more penetrable and more accessible in itself um, and more comprehensible. Um, what I think thing we do internally is we we have our own version of the checklist, which is again make putting it in a language that designers and developers within Cyberduck can understand, um, rather than going you know obviously they can still go to WK and go through the full resource, but it's it's making it a little bit more accessible and understandable for people who are perhaps more you know in some part roles within the company who aren't actually building products, but it's really important that they understand accessibility. So people working within marketing and things like that that um, they still understand it, that they still understand the, the principles. But like you said, the, the, the sort of incomprehensibility of some of that language leads to then, uh, I mean, we're, we're, me and Ramon are part of a number of communities and you should see the, the, um, the discussions that go on in those communities because somebody could share, you know, uh, an innocuous challenge sometimes. And the discussion of how to deal with that challenge, you will have people arguing that, you know, uh, the grass is blue and the sky is red, sort of thing. You know, opposite like, sides. <laughs> Join the standards boards conversations. I was a part of the cognitive one early on, and I was like, "Oh wow, I'm not sure what I'm doing here. I am, yeah, this is going to drive my ADH crazy." So uh, Neil stayed with it, but I was like, "Yeah, I don't think y'all need me." <laughs> so it's like, wow. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, thank goodness for all these leaders that do these standards. You know that because this. It's a big deal. But at the same time, we all have to agree to what we're doing here. I mean, at some point, if you don't yeah. have standards, how do you how do we know if we're done? And I understand we still are struggling with that. But I just really wanted to have you all on Access Chat because I appreciate the leadership that you are showing. I want other, you know, design agencies to show this kind of leadership and we are seeing it, but I still don't think we're seeing it enough. It still feels like often it's an afterthought. I don't know if y'all agree with that, but so yeah. I, I, yeah. And that's why I was impressed that CyberDuck was really stepping up and not only making it in, you know, making sure that this happened with all the work you're doing, but you're encouraging others to do it, including your partners, the vendors you're using and um, and supporting your clients. So that to me is leadership that we want to applaud. We want to applaud because um, some groups aren't doing that. And we already went there, so I won't go there again. But um so I, I just, that was one reason why I wanted to invite you, because I really appreciate the leadership that your smaller agency, but still global agency is doing. So I think you mentioned what you have 85, about 85 people all over the world. So I just think it's a very important part of the conversation. And until we do that, just like until we got the universities involved, we're not going to solve all the problems. Just like once again, Billion Strong if we don't get the community to get together and to find our voices collectively, globally, 
then there will be um, companies and investors that do what's happening in the United States. Uh, we will, for example, not make, you know, getting COVID-19 vaccinations for people that are more vulnerable. I, you know, there's a lot of work to do, but it's going to take all of us. And um, I just wanted to say, I appreciate that. But I know we're almost at the end. And Neil, we want to thank our sponsors. But also, Matt and Ramon, let, let's, before we do that, I'd love to just give you the final words of why, why did y'all think that this was good for business? Why, why? I mean, once again, you talked about it a little bit, but, and also to make sure uh, if you would say on camera, you know, how people can find it, find, get to CyberDoc and your social media accounts and stuff. Sure. Um, I think it's good for business because it is good for business, uh, demonstrably so, in that, um, you know, one in five people in the UK uh, and, as you know, uh, sorry, have disabilities, but also, um, as you know, with the billion strong thing, that a billion people worldwide have disabilities. So there's a business case to be made for making things accessible, but it's also not just a business case, it's the right thing to do. I mean, obviously, with public sector things, some of the services that we design, it's like it's literally a matter of life and death if you don't make those things accessible and inclusive. So, um, you know, I, I, not, I don't think any designer wants to have that on their conscience when they're creating products. So, um, yes, there is a business case for it, but I think it's also it's just the right thing to do. So, um, I don't know if you want, you want to add anything to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's just the right thing to do. Uh, here in the United States, there are 60 mi- over 60 million people that live with disabilities. So um, apart from the business side, excluding all of those people just because it just doesn't make any sense. So um, Great. yeah, we're happy. <laughs> we're happy to be part of it. <laughs> and, and, and I love it when companies go, you know what? We don't care about the business case. We're doing it because it's the right thing to do, because that's that's even better, because you'll make the money anyway. It's, it's going to come to you. So that's fantastic. And, and and I need to thank the other companies that have recognized it's the right thing to do and continue to support us over the years. So Barclays Access, Microlink, and, and MyClearText for you know, keeping the lights on, keeping us captioned. So so thank you, guys. Before um, we go, yeah. how do what is the CyberDuck uh, website? Oh, apologies. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> www. I don't. Well, I don't know why we say that still these days. Uh, cyber c y b e r hyphen duck dot co uh, d u c k, and uh, then uh, on social uh, on Twitter we're um, CyberDuck UK. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Look forward to you joining us on Twitter. Yes. Thank you both. Oh, absolute pleasure. Thank, Thank you for inviting us. <laughs>